So some, there's something in the physics of I haven't moved for a long time, then I was cold, then I was really hot, then you held me. Yeah. God, you just described my entire working life. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Nothing's more important than a great customer experience, but sometimes services get disrupted. X Matters helps teams resolve issues fast before they impact customers. Learn why millions trust X Matters to keep their digital services up and running at xmatters.com/stack. Hey. Welcome to the Stack Overflow podcast, Ben's audio sounds crappy edition. I have actually the nicest mic setup of all of us. I took it from the office before we left, but it seems as though a small rodent may have chewed through one of the cables. That's no. the uh, perils of country living. But it doesn't, for some reason, it's not being offered as an input, even though it's plugged in and powered on. So we'll, we'll have to address that. That might be a garage band thing. I run into that too. Yeah. Am I going to need to reset my MIDI drivers or take care of my past problem? One or the other. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, those are the same thing. Both yeah. with a hammer. Yeah, you reset the MIDI yeah. driver pretty much the same way you, you take care of a, uh, a mouse problem. What is, a MIDI, what is MIDI still doing in our world? Why are we still dealing with MIDI? <laughs> it should just be called like the USB audio like interface plug-in thingy, and we're still thinking MIDI. Yeah, yeah, someone needs to rebrand MIDI. I feel like Mr. MIDI has been collecting royalty checks for far too long. I agree with that. That's, that's right. <laughs> Kevin MIDI. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's definitely a let's, Kevin. Let's not assume. <laughs> Katrina Mitty. Let's not assume. Let's not assume. No, this one's a Kevin. Yeah. A and Kevin. I know Kevins. Yeah. And, and some of them are great. Yeah. But it's... Ooh, is Kevin the Karen of, oh, of the current era? good question. Uh, yeah. What is, the cur- what is the male equivalent of the Karen? Kevin and Karen. I mean, it's probably Steve. Paul. <laughs> I'll take it. Let's just do it. Make yeah. me make me the guy. So uh, what the hell are we going to talk about in this crazy mixed up world today? Well, let's get started with Cloudflare TV. So on a past episode, we mourned the end of O'Reilly Conf and talked a little bit about how that was such a formative like series of live events and, and web events and books before that for, you know, the kind of web 1.0, web, web 2.0 world. So today, Mm -hmm. Cloudflare announced they're going to be doing a 24-7 live internet TV station, which is nothing but technical talks, technical talks and like keynotes and then like kind of like C-SPAN level, like procedural things where it's just like, I don't know, let's, let's, let's jump to the programming list here and read a few of them, shall we? I'm going to tell you straight out, I looked at this list. I mean, a lot of these are things that have come out before, right? Like, is it all new content? It's not. No, there's re- there's reruns. There's definitely reruns. Yeah. They have curated this as from a pure nerd perspective. Like, yeah. Sarah, you're going to look at it and it's good. Yeah. You can tune in at three for Cyber, the new frontier. Then stay tuned for next generation security. And why not stay at four, at four serverless storage starts? So you got you to gotta keep watching. I've got a different take. I mean, I don't know. Isn't this why we have YouTube? <laughs> oh my god wait you make a really strong point <laughs> you're saying it's it's better to look for the topics you're interested in and watch them whenever you want as opposed to having to tune in at a certain time I, yeah I can't. unless the talks are happening live if they're happening live then it makes sense because then like you yeah. can ask questions i think it's possible i'm not the audience for this too i mean i don't know who is the audience but it's really yeah. interesting you can just dip in and out of the stream when uh, you know you're feeling bored. Maybe is the idea. I don't know. Yeah, they were inspired by three, two, one contact, so I could really respect that because that's an yeah. amazing show. And they're, they've also shout out to MTV Original Broadcast 1981 here. So somewhere between three, two, one contact 
and original MTV is cloudflare.tv. <laughs> I mean, l- let me make a point. You go, you look at this, it kind of looks like TV. And actually, the talks are pretty well curated. Could it be a YouTube list? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes, boy, could it. However, what are we talking about right now on the Stack Overflow podcast? That's right. Cloudflare but, TV. Yeah, but oh. that's a lot of work to get people to talk about it. Like 24 nah, hours. Nah, this is a marketing victory. They got us. There's probably got some trick in here where like all, all the bandwidth they're pushing somehow helps them like DNS protect other people. This is probably just something they had. They were like, we need to do some work on the back end. What's a good reason for us to be broadcasting 24 seven? Yeah. Cloudflare is cool. Cloudflare workers, all Ooh. that stuff. Like Cloudflare is, is sort of creeping up on the, the single. AWS is an operating system in a, like a really intense way, but you have to know what every process is. Yep. Cloudflare really feels like with the workers and stuff that they're they're aiming towards this sort of simple, small cache-based OS. Mm. It's pretty fascinating to watch. And I don't know, I just, I get a kick out of somebody, like I know a lot of these talks. A lot of them are, are re- like the risks of a consolidating internet by Tim Berners-Lee. And there's actually Sophie Wilson, who worked on the ARM processors, mm. inventing the future in 1983. Absolutely worth watching. Because I mean, this is someone who was doing little tiny microcomputer chips yeah I mean, it's, that's it's cool a, stuff this is and then that turns into arm which powers everything everything yeah. all right well yeah obviously for the first two to three weeks you're going to have a strong programming list because you can fall back so we'll see what this looks like in a month or two if it's really gotten down to the dregs or if they can keep it going but i, I also like the slogan here tune in geek out is a good slogan just the concept of a month or two is is yeah. almost fiction at this point like if this still exists in a month or two god bless us all <laughs> god We've bless all us great. all yeah it looks like there are is a, a lot of live content so maybe that's a, the big sell right is that yeah because i think seeing these this stuff live and being able to ask questions if that's an ability that seems interesting to me that that seems like something i can't do just by yeah. googling some classics from the past but some interactive live stuff from the present that's a kind of a good idea yeah are they gonna have cascading s show on here sarah if they don't they've made a big mistake oh yeah cascading s show <laughs> i know it would be a really good <laughs> I, had to, I, I had to play that several so. times so, i don't know yeah. did you really that's great <laughs> see i think Stack would be such a good TV show. Like we're here and we talk about stuff, but like Stack Exchange, like with with an anchor behind the desk, Sarah, maybe it's you. Yeah, yeah. just sort of just those great talking. questions, especially on oh. the interoffice politics websites. Oh, it's so good. And just imagine the little animations you could make. I mean, like the sort of Vox style explainers, but yeah. it's already kind of explained. That's all I'm talking about. You just need to get a couple million dollars together and an enormous amount of time. Oh, great. I'll call a meeting today. And totally, like if you look at cloudflare.tv and it's like cyber, servers, this. And then if you go to Stack Exchange, it's like cybersecurity, servers, software, workplace. You know, it's the same, yeah. same jam. Yeah. Listen, the Stack TV show could be part of basic cable. Like it's just, it's time. The world's ready. This is a great question in the Physics Stack Exchange. Oh my God! This will so be good. great for the TV show. Why doesn't water boil in the oven? <laughs> I had oh, an argument. That is about, a great question. Yeah, I had an argument about this 15 years ago, which I settled with a great kitchen experiment. Man, you guys! All right, this is going in the show notes because it is awesome. This is excellent. Oh my God, I'm reading it now too. Yeah. Sarah, you brought this up. Give, give us that first paragraph, because it really, once you get to that first paragraph of that top-rated answer, you're like, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, this is so fascinating. So someone put a pot of water in the oven, put it at 500 degrees Fahrenheit. That's 260 degrees Celsius, 533 Kelvin. 
And over time, mm-hmm. most of the water evaporated away, but he never observed, or they never observed it boil. Why didn't it boil? And the answer for this is fascinating. It's from Rob, and it is around the rolling boil. And he says the rolling boil is a mechanism for moving heat from the bottom of the pot to the top. You see it on the stove top because most of the heat generally enters a liquid from superheated surface below the pot. Oh, fascinating. This is so interesting. But in a convection oven, whether the heat enters from above or below or from both sides equally depends on how much material you are cooking and the thermal conductivity of the container. Sarah, isn't a little basic physics incredibly comforting right now? (laughs) It really is. (laughs) Because I'm just reading this and I'm like, oh yeah, the world works along principles that are rooted in natural phenomena. Yeah, I kind of feel like anything could go, like anything could happen right now in 2020. Like I might put a pot of water in the in the oven and it would just explode. <laughs> it'll just boil. Or it would turn it'll into a cat. Or it'll scream. Yeah. I have a question that I'll put on physics. I don't know if this will be in the podcast, but this happened. So I got to this house, which hadn't been touched in like several years. And so there was all this like glassware that hadn't been touched. And then we used it and then we put it in the dishwasher. And then my dad took a glass out of the dishwasher and was walking to put it back on the shelf and it just exploded in his hand. Like it literally mm-hmm. exploded. Yeah, that happened to me too. I took a... Um, I exploded. Yeah, I exploded. Sorry. The end. <laughs> yeah, I took something. I took a hot glass pitcher out of the uh, dishwasher and decided to cool it off with yeah. water. Yeah. And that was a bad move because it had just yeah. exploded in my hand. Exploded in your hand. So scary. I saw a link that I wanted to talk about. It's called GitHub Classroom. So apparently they have a new tool where if you're a teacher, you can run your stuff this way and it's like GitHub, but it's for, you know, your average high school or college digital blackboard. Like the the, the logo is like a blackboard with the uh, Octocad on it. I wonder about this. Like it's interesting because like the language that they use on, on it is very the language of GitHub. And I wonder if teachers will relate to this. I mean, obviously, if you work in computer science or data science, like you'll get it. But like, yeah, I don't know. Track and manage assignments with a dashboard. Sure. All while using GitHub, the industry standard tool developers use. And it's like, well, okay, but what about students? And it's like, save time using automatic, automated testing to grade assignments. It's like, what? You're going to automatically grade my English paper? Or what? I, I just I don't know. Like, at some point, this kind of breaks down for me a little bit. I mean, okay, so what does it actually do? That's what I can't figure out. You make a classroom, you invite people, and then... Okay, I'm in it. I make, okay, so create an organization already having a... So, look, I mean, what this looks like to me, and I mean, it really looks like to me, is this is GitHub organizations mm-hmm. and merging and all the regular stuff you do with some education and, and pedagogy features. Like, right. I mean, this is just GitHub. Why right. do I have to, this is strange. Why do I have to, it seems like a totally different domain or what's happening here? Why did I have to grant it permissions when it's my GitHub account? That's a really good point. This is an amazing phishing attempt. <laughs> Sorry, guys. My bad. No, I, I think maybe there's wow. a lot more rules around like students and teachers, Sarah. So they might just be being extra careful about permissions. But yeah, when it says like bootstrap assignments in a snap, create individual and group assignments, prime them with starter code. Like, okay, is this just for computer science students? Like, that's the only thing. Like, I get it if it's for computer science students. But when it's like latest commit past and they show somebody like in an art class, I feel a little bit confused. Yeah, maybe this is because we don't know. Yeah. We, we don't do this for a living. Anyway, it could be interesting. And I do think that there's going to be a huge, huge amount of remote learning come September. Some schools are yeah. even talking about trying to restart in 
dear Lord, this would be the worst thing ever. Some schools are restarting in July and August to like kind of finish off last year that we missed and then like Mm -hmm. push people forward. So like if you miss the last three and a half months of this year, we'll do a a, a month in July or August and then move you from, you know, second to third grade or fifth to sixth grade or whatever it may be. You know, they want to give people some chance to transition and keep going so that we don't have a completely lost year. But there's going to be a, yeah, a ton of remote teaching. And it does seem like the GitHub workflow like that is kind of been polished to a, a sharp diamond, right? Look, I, mean, I think it's worth saying this is really just for teaching code and programming. It, it's, a, it's a sort of meta workflow around classic GitHub process and Git process. Rather, like this, this won't work for your English paper. This will work for your intro to Python class. Right? Yeah, exactly. that seems right to me too, yeah. So, which I, I honestly, it's like, a, and this is a deep argument, right? Like, is it better for people to learn Scheme, the language of the gods, <laughs> Lisp, or is it better for them to learn Java because that is the language of enterprise software that they need? And this, then you get into a debate between the practice of programming and the study of computer science and actually understanding right. how the computer really works, which luckily as a self-taught autodidact complete hack, I've been able to avoid my yeah. entire career. Yeah. And if they really want to learn, they can go to developer C-SPAN or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm sure like 80% of those, uh, you know, of those uh, shows in some way connect to this problem. Lisp, Language of the Gods. That was my favorite Neil Stevenson novel. I loved that one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Honestly, I think that is a Neil Stevenson model. <laughs> it's the prequel to Snow Crash, I think. There is a, well, this is always really tricky. Do I care about how to be a working programmer? At one point, MIT restructured its core EE programming class around Python, and it made everybody really upset because they were focusing more on kind of real-world programming, using lots of libraries, moving little robots around. It was more practical and less abstract. I mean, it's still very MIT, like I couldn't do it. But that was moving away from the structure and interpretation of computer programs approach, which was this very dense book based on scheme and about about programming that really defined a certain approach and mindset related to engineering for years and years and years and years and years. And yeah. So this is a pretty deep debate in the industry. And I, I, uh, we don't talk about it a lot, but I, you know, I, I subscribe. I'm a member of the ACM and I read the transactions of the uh, Association for Computing Machinery. And, and this, that's a very academic work, but this flares up all the time. What are we teaching and why? All right, great. It's uh, yeah, we're closing in on time, so let's do a life button, say our goodbyes. Yes, yeah. sir. Awarded one hour ago to Greg Hugill. Want to delete half of the records from my SQL database table? He wants to get rid of half. Oh no! Oh no! Oh, Greg, yeah. Don't do it. <laughs> we all but know how half? that is. <laughs> yeah, this is like I went to erase half the records from my MySQL database table. Yeah, yeah. And, the, and then Greg's answer is very funny. This will delete about half the records most of the time. Oh, no. Mm. Oh, no. <laughs> mm. <laughs> so many bad days coming. <laughs> anyway, this is this got a lifeboat because it has 20 upvotes, but it hasn't been accepted yet because it is a little bit of a dicey answer. So we'll see. Nice. All right. Good life, Bowden. All right. I am Ben Popper, Director of Content here at Stack Overflow, and you can find me on Twitter at Ben Popper. I'm Sarah Chips, Director of Community here at Stack Overflow, and you can find me at Sarah Joe on GitHub. And I'm Paul Ford, co-founder and CEO of Postlight, a digital product company, and you can find me on F-Train at Twitter. Awesome. <laughs>